Amen. Engaging intimately with God. We started this next uh, last week, isn't it? And I said to you last week that when a lady announces that she's engaged, what it means is that she's out of the market. She is no longer searching. It also means that she has gone into another level of her relationship with whoever she's engaged to. Isn't that right? When a lady, is, a lady has a boyfriend, even though they may be going out, it means that when another boy comes, there is a probability that the boy can overtake the man who is there. Isn't that true? Because there's no, it's just a friendship. There is no uh, depth to the relationship. But once a ring goes onto the finger, it means that they've gone into a different type of relationship. Am I making sense? And um, I also said to you last week that when the lady is in just a friendship, courtship, she can go everywhere with the guy in a company. So it's like, let's go watch movies. She can bring her girlfriends and everything to, the, to go watch movie because they go as a corporate. Isn't that true? But when the relationship takes another turn, it gets serious. She doesn't go on dates with her friends. Am I making sense? In other words, when we are serving God in a very superficial way, we can serve God, you know, as a company. We can serve God as a group. Like in the church, we all worship, we all sing, we all do whatever we do, you know, pray together as a corporate body. But sometimes we need to engage God in an intimate way. And that way is not a corporate way anymore. In that type of relationship, it is so intimate that we cannot go with other people. Am I making sense? Because we are going, and I, did I give you the definition of being engaged? To be engaged means what? To be busy. To be occupied. To pledge to be married or betrothed. Amen. Or to have a greater interest in somebody. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? Hello? And we read a story in John chapter 4. How many remember? The story of the woman at the well. The Bible says, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read. The Bible says that the, Jesus said to the woman, you, you worship what you don't know. Because the woman said to Jesus that our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And he says that there's come, Jesus said to the lady, there was coming a time that you will not have to worship on this mountain. But the Lord, let's look at it, John chapter 5. Sorry, John chapter 4. Quickly. Twenty-one. Jesus said to the woman, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. Somebody say the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the word for 
is the same word as because. So you can replace for with because. Somebody say because. Because the father is seeking such to worship him. Amen. The father is no longer seeking people to worship him in a corporate sense. Amen. The father is seeking people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Which means it's a more intimate type of worship. See, most times when we come to church, we get preached to, and most of the time, the pastors will preach to us about, you know, things, but not what they are doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when the pastors try to engage God intimately, but hardly would they tell us to engage God intimately. Am I making sense? Because it's like, the more intimate we are with God, the more of his power we derive. Am I making sense? And because they don't want us to have the same power as them, they, they will leave us in a certain place. Like, you know, Moses went into the mountain and left the people on the, in the valley. He went to have an intimate relationship with God. And the Bible says that when Moses came out, came back, his face was glowing to the point that they had to put a veil because the people couldn't look at his face. I believe that the modern day uh, pastor is like the, mod, the, the, the Moses that goes to seek God. But I, I also read somewhere in the Bible that the day Jesus died, the veil was torn, which means that all of us can have an intimate relationship with God. We don't need to have a Moses stand between God and us. Am I making sense? Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, God times spoke to us through the prophets. Through the prophets, through the, 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 the men of God, men of old. But now has decided to speak to us through his son. And his son is actually the word of God. Because John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Am I making sense? So the word itself, and the Bible says, the word dwelt among us and will be held his, his uh, glory as the glory of the son. So the word is the son. Am I making sense? And, and if Jesus leaving the earth left the veil torn from the holy of holies to holy place, it was torn so that all of us can have an intimate relationship. All of us can go into a relationship with God. Am I making sense? We don't have to wait for a high priest to go in and come and tell us what God is saying. Amen. So the message I'm preaching is not a, a message that you will hear very often. It's not a very popular message. Because it's, it's popular to tell you what God is saying. Rather than teaching you how to go and hear from God yourself. Am I making sense? Because it, it's, it's almost like I'm making my job redundant. Nobody likes to make their job redundant. I'm not making sense. But I'm trying to get you to have your own encounter with God. Have your own intimate relationship with God. Because that is what the Father is desires. Because, because the Father desires such who will seek him in spirit and in truth. Amen. He is looking for us. And I said to you last week that God created us for us to have 
a relationship with him. Let us create man in our own image so that we'll have a relationship with him. And the Bible says that in the cool of the day, he came walking in the garden seeking to have a relationship, conversation with Adam. And Adam said that I was naked and I hid myself. Unfortunately, that is what we do. Because of sin, we like to hide ourselves from God. So God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the fruit I told you not to eat? Amen. So, the next thing I said was that intimacy brings authority. Do you remember? We said, if you are intimate, you have authority. Hallelujah. Not everybody can call themselves Mrs. Dangote or Mrs. Uh, Give me another rich person. Sorry? I didn't hear that. Otedola. So must be a, another big man. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Not, not all of us can say that. It's only one person who can say that. And that person, obviously, because of the name they carry, they have a certain authority. And obviously, they carry a certain weight in terms of financial. Do you understand what I'm saying? They carry a certain strength. They can say something. That, that uh, guy who divorced, is it Bezos? Divorced recently, isn't it? I mean, the Mrs. Bezos left with a couple of billions. A few billions. Do you understand? And the reason why she, she carries a certain weight now financially is because of the relationship she had. Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't know what her, her actual business is, but whatever the business that she was into, I don't think brought the billions that she now controls. What she's controlling now came as a result of her relationship. In the same way, we control, we will control a certain strength and force that will, will, will make demons subject to us if we have an intimate relationship. Amen. We read last week that the disciples who went, he sent them out to preach two by two. They came back rejoicing. Why? Because they said that now the demons are subject to us. When we say in the name of Jesus, leave, they leave. And Jesus was saying, do not be excited because you have this power. But rather, be excited that you have an intimate relationship. Be excited that your name is written in the book of life. Am I making sense? Yeah, because it is in your intimacy that you have authority. What Vashti forgot was that her queenship was because of her marriage to the king. And so when the king sent for her, she said, I will not come. And by not coming, she lost her throne. She lost her position. And a slave girl, Esther, took her position. Now guess what? Esther was smarter. So Esther, when the uncle came and said, I disobey the king's rule and go and see the king. Esther said, we don't do that here. Remember what Vashti did that made Vashti lose her crown. I don't want to do the same. And the, the, the uncle said, if you don't do it, 
we will perish. But know that you also perish somehow. Hallelujah. Because intimacy is what brings authority. Today I want us to look at a few misconceptions that we have that makes us not want to be intimate with God. Is that okay? A few misconceptions. The first misconception. Misconception number one. Is that okay? What's a misconception? It's a wrong assumption, isn't it? The common misconception is that intimacy with God should be easy. In this microwave generation, in this instant coffee, instant tea, instant gasification generation that we live in, it's like you buy a whole dinner and it's in a microwave. It's, a, it's in a little, what do you call plastic something. You punch a few holes and you put it in the microwave and within five minutes, it's ready, ready cooked meal. And the food is done. Food that is supposed to take at least two, three hours to prepare. You just go to the supermarket, buy it, put it in the freezer, bring it out of the freezer, punch a few holes, put it on the, in the microwave, click some, some few buttons. Within a few seconds, the food is ready and you are sat at a table eating. Hallelujah. And it is because of those type of microwave generation mentality, a lot of us think that Seeking after God must be like a microwave thing. You, 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 you freeze God in the, in the freezer, bring God out, punch a few holes, put him in a microwave, press a few buttons, shalababa, 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 five times, and then you hear ding at the end when it's finished. And then you pull him out, and then power has come. Let's go out and do miracles. It's a misconception. I say it's a misconception. In Isaiah chapter 4 verse 31, the Bible says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Isaiah 40, where are you? 40 verse 31. Those that wait upon the Lord they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The, the key word that I need you to see is wait. Somebody say wait. wait. I think I told you the other day that when you're a waiter, you're not in a hurry. How many remember? A waiter is not in a hurry. Uh, do you want the menu? You, 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 you get the menu. Then they, 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 they are going through. They are going through. Then they come. Are you ready to order? Not yet. What do you do? You go and wait. Then you come back. Are you ready to order? Not sure. Go, go and come back. Ah, 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 listen, order quickly because I'm, I'm tired. I want to go. That is not how 
a waiter behaves. You have to do what? Wait. Because I haven't decided. Sometimes, by the time you, she goes back, the person is having a conversation and they are, they are laughing. They haven't even looked at the menu. What do you do? You wait. Because by your name, you are what? A waiter. And a waiter has no time limit. They give you at least two to four hours to go through your selection, eating, order, uh, what do you call it, the starters, the main course, and the dessert. They give you at least four hours. Who takes four hours to eat? But the restaurant has programmed in their minds that people would take varying times to eat. And we have to wait. So between the first uh, booking and the second booking, they give four hours. Two hours. Depending on the place. Why? Because waiters wait. Unfortunately, charismatic Pentecostal Christians don't have that concept of waiting. We have a time constraint because we live in a time constraint season or era. So if the service goes beyond an hour and a half, it goes beyond two hours, we begin to agitate. Sometimes the bolder ones will go and confront the pastor. That brother pastor, if you want us to keep coming, change your time. Some people went to their pastor and told their pastor that we can't get up for 9 o'clock to come to church. So change the service time to 11 o'clock. Then the pastor also changed it. Then another group came to say that the 11 o'clock means that our whole day is, our whole Sunday is disturbed because it's like, as for church, we want it in the morning so that we can, we have other things to do. So the pastor said, Hmm, okay, then those who want to come early, I'll give you 9 o'clock. And those who want, can't wake up, I'll give you 11 o'clock. So we are doing two services from today. And the morning people didn't show up. And the afternoon people overslept. So they didn't come at 11 o'clock. <laughs> you know, what I'm trying to make us understand is that we have brought the bar so low that... We are Christians are misbehaving. <laughs> Do you understand? But God, His standards are set. I think Psalm 138, look for that scripture for me. It says that God has exalted his, his, his word a little above Himself. God has exalted, means that God has lifted the standard. His standard, His word has a certain standard, and He Himself will not go above it. Have you found that scripture? He has lifted the standard so that he will not, he himself will not go above his word. 138 verse 2. Psalm 138 verse 2, quickly. I worship, I will worship for, uh, towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. 
Some versions say, give me the King James. You have magnified your word above all your name. For thou hast magnified your word above. Which means, something magnified means what? Enlarged. Means that your word has a preeminence. It is set in a certain standard. Above even your, your, your name, your word, your power. Hallelujah. So the word of God cannot be brought down. As the ministers of today are doing. We are trying to bring the word so that we can attract everybody. So that everybody in the church is living any kind of lifestyle. But then whosoever will may come. So you come. You, it doesn't matter. As you are, come. No. There's a standard. So intimacy with God is not a microwave type of thing. That's a misconception. We cannot use our daily lifestyle, precious of life to appropriate God. Am I making sense? Are, are you understanding it? You cannot just, okay, I only have three, two hours. God, if you come, come. Two hours. The time starts now. God. Clock is ticking. No. No. Your two hours will come and pass and God wouldn't have come. Because you can't put him in a box. Am I making sense? No. So it's a misconception to think that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to wait on God. I'm, I only have three days. So God, you have me from now to Friday to show up. No. He will show up. Sometimes before you, you take the first step, he has shown up. Sometimes. Sometimes he will not show up first day. Second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. Sometimes you go and come on your way back. That's when he shows up. Sometimes after you've been and gone back, you've gone back, you are getting yourself, you know, situated. Maybe you are putting your suitcase and things out. That is when he shows up. So intimacy with God has not got time constraints. He says, you wait. Not I, God, wait. But you wait. They that wait on the Lord. That scripture is getting lost in our day today. Because we don't know how to wait. Am I making sense? We don't know how to wait. These days, you let the, the service run maybe five, ten minutes. You see people getting up. The important ones getting up to leave. And when you say that, you go, Pastor, time is money. No, I was talking about eight pounds fifty, ten pounds. Listen, a key in the house of God is worth more than all the pounds you, you can think of. Let us learn to wait. I say, let us learn to wait. If you want to access God intimately, learn how to wait. Never go and wait on God in prayer and have a time constraint. 
Relax. Chill. You're a waiter. When he comes, he comes. When he's ready, what does he do? Come. I'm ready to order now. And then you have to have a smile. After you've been waiting for. Then, so, then when you come, like Pastor Sam, what is the house special? <laughs> I, 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 I think Pastor Sam has been listening to me too often. So, because he never knew, used to think about house special. I think he heard me talk about Sancocho soup. <laughs> so, he, he has learned how to ask, what's the house special? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I want something spicy. After they've been looking in the book for the last 30, 40 minutes, they would still don't know what to order. So, they'll ask you, what is uh, spicy on the menu? You have been looking at the menu for the last... You are studying like a thesis. And you still don't know what you want. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let us not have that attitude of putting time constraints. Amen. Second misconception. Number two is intimacy shouldn't involve waiting. It's not the same. The first one is what? It should be easy. Second one is it shouldn't involve time. Do you know that our greatest enemy as modern day Christians is time? Do you know that? In uh, Matthew 25, the Bible talks about the foolish virgins from verse 1. The, the, the ten virgins went to wait on a bridegroom to come. In those days, the bride will come with her bridesmaids, mates, and they will have to come and wait for the bridegroom. These days is the bride that the, 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 the groom has to come and wait, and then the, for however long, and then the bride will take her time. I remember a certain wedding. It was how many hours? The bride was, the, the groom was sitting down at the front for over four hours. Me, I, after a while, I left because the whole thing was just annoying me. And if I was an officiating pastor, believe you me, if you are late, I'll go. I don't care. I've been doing this work for too long for you to come and waste my time. So I'll warn you. I mean, she came here. At the end, I was asking myself, so what? What four hours? What what was the four hours about? <laughs> Meanwhile, the place was overcrowded. I mean, a, 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 a place that sits about two hundred people, over four hundred people there, and the place was hot, very stuffy, and you kept us waiting for. People have been waiting for four hours. And then she came. God forgive me. <laughs> me, I, 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 after a while I left. Because the whole thing was just annoying me. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet a bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise. 
and five of them were foolish. Why were the five foolish? They were foolish because they did not factor in time. The whole parable was the factor of time that the foolish did not anticipate. Because the, the foolish virgins thought that intimacy with the groom doesn't have to take into account time. Because they had enough. If the bride had come at the beginning, at the right, at the beginning, they wouldn't have been foolish virgins. They would have been wise virgins. Why? Because their lambs would have been all right. What they did not factor in was time. A lot of us as Christians don't factor time. We think serving God is easy. That's the first misconception. So, when we meet any stress, when we meet anything that brings a, a stress, we get flustered. When we meet anything that takes our time, we get flustered. It has to be easy. It has to come. If God is going to do it, let God do it quickly. So when the prophecy is not coming at the right time, you see them jumping up and down. God says, I'm going to give you a child. And after the first year, after the second year, then you see us doing all sorts. God says, he's going to bless you with a husband, bless you with a wife. After some, at some point, we just go and pick any guy around the corner and say, come, you are the blessing from God, come. Amen. Number three. Misconception number three. Intimacy with God is only for special people. How many will agree with that? That we all cannot know God in a special way. You have to be special for God to use you in a certain way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelation 22. Let's start from 16. But the scripture I'm looking for is in 17. Revelation chapter 22. Quickly. Verse 16. I, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. The bright and morning star. Verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come. And let him who tests come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The key word is what? Whoever. He didn't say the special people come. He did not say the chosen people come. He did not say that the, the ones that have been sit in front of the church, they are the ones who are supposed to come. He never said that. All he says is what whoever is thirsty, whoever earnestly desires, whosoever will may come. There's a, a Methodist hymn. Whosoever fear. Yes, sound, the sound, the sound. Send the blessings, whatever the song is. Whosoever will may come, whosoever will 
Send a proclamation over Vale and Hill. Tis the loving Father from a wondrous home. Whosoever will may come. So with God, it is whosoever will. You want to be a healer? Whosoever will. You want to be a preacher? Whosoever will. You want to be a great pastor? Whosoever will. You want to be a one who raises the dead? Whosoever will. You want to be a miracle worker? Whosoever will. It is not for special people. It is for people who have a desire. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. He said whosoever. Whoever wills. So intimacy with God is not for selected people. It was not chosen for the selected virgins. It was not, the bridegroom did not choose the five wise virgins. It is their behavior that separated them. If they had been wise and had factored in time, they would have been part of the chosen. Am I making sense? So, in this room, Everyone can be a virgin. Amen. In this room, there may be half, 50% wise virgins and 50% foolish virgins. But the choice between the wise and the foolish is dependent on us, not the bridegroom. Am I making sense? It was not the bridegroom who decided that these half are foolish virgins and these half will be wise virgins. It was their behavior that made them wise or made them fools. It is their choice. Amen. So uh, it's our choice to serve God in a certain way. It is our choice to be intimate with God. It is our choice to pay the price for intimacy. But God is not going to bring the price down because of you and I. The price remains the price. Hallelujah. We have to decide that we will pay the price. Amen. There's no discrimination. If you are willing to pay the price, you have it. I remember a few years ago, a committee from a church came to see me. And they said to me that they had heard that we had bought our church building. And they've been raising funds to buy their own church building. But the leadership or the pastor or whoever is in charge is saying that they don't have any white man to front them to be to to lead them to buy a building. That's why they are not getting a building. I think we have to put our hands together for the father, the latest father in town. Welcome, Eugene. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you see a man 
who has married and comes, give, salute him. Shake his hand. But when you see a man who has married and has gone to the labor ward and come, give him a standing ovation and salute him. No easy. Amen. <laughs> so, when they came to see me, they said, oh, so they, they, they are looking, they want to know the, 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 the white man that fronted. Oh, why are you laughing? So that I can give them the contact of the, the white man who also front for them to get. Then I said, the white man is in your pocket. That was my answer to them. The white man who fronts is your pocket. If you have what it takes in your pocket, you can buy any building in this country. This is not a communist country. If you have enough, whatever the value is, the seller will sell it. Because the seller is in the business to make money. So if you have the money, money on the right, goods on the left, we exchange. So I said, go and tell your pastor that the white man is in your pocket. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Sometimes we like to put some impediment. We say, that, oh, this one is for this exclusive people. This, and sometimes even the pastors help us to think that way. That you can only come up to this point in your service with God. We are the ones who can go beyond into the Holy of Holies. No, no, no. With Jesus' death and the resurrection, that Holy of the price has been paid. The, the, the price is still the same. Just pay the price and you will get that power. Am I making sense? The power is not reserved for exclusive uh, few. Amen. Amen. In John 17 verse 3, it says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus whom you have sent. He sent Jesus for us. If only we know him and we accept him, then we become partakers. Amen. Misconception number four. Are you ready? It is too hard to figure out how to get intimate with God. Where do I start from? How do I do it? Oh, it's too hard. How many, how many feel that anything to do with God is hard? It's too hard. Sometimes our minds tell us that it's too hard. Have you not realized that as soon as you start praying, it feels very, very, time just slows down. You pray, 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 pray. By the time you look at the clock, it's only three minutes. Say, she. Meanwhile, you say today you are doing two hours. Normally, when you are watching a movie, before you blink, two hours is finished. Sometimes you get on the phone before you realize you've been talking for two hours and you don't even know where time went. You said, Wow, time has flown by. I haven't done anything. The time went so, so quickly. Time just flies. But today I'm going to pray. 
Then you start to yawn. Then all of a sudden, your, the back of your leg starts to itch. Then all of a sudden, you feel un, some uneasiness. Then you feel, you know, uh, then you twitching. Then you go and watch, look at your phone a little bit and put it down. Then you go, then, by the time you look at the time, you look at the time, you've only done four minutes. And you say, Oh, when shall I? When shall I? The day you start to die, today I'm fasting. That day your stomach, your stomach will start to blow, fight with you, enter into a boxing ring with you. Normally by 11 o'clock you don't feel hungry. Normally you don't realize time till it's around 3 o'clock before you start feeling that I haven't eaten, I have to eat something. But 11 o'clock, the day you say you are fasting, by 9 o'clock, your stomach starts to tell you that. <laughs> your stomach will just start, like, watch it. By 11 o'clock, your stomach says, by 12 o'clock, your nose joins your stomach. They can smell food. Meanwhile, there's nobody cooking anything around here. But your nose says, no, I also want to see something. By the time 2 o'clock comes, your tongue has joined. Your nose has joined. Your eyes. Your computer, all of a sudden, you are seeing food appear. Everything reminds you of food. So those type of things makes us think that going intimate with God is very, very difficult. The day you say, I'm going to read the Bible. Today I'm going to study my word. Immediately your eyes begin to cross. This one is crossing that one. So you, the words don't appear right in your eyes. How many know what I'm talking about? But you say you are reading a storybook or you are reading a story you like. Before you realize you read Pages and pages and pages, and you can write notes because it's, you know, you are reading magazines. It's like, or you are reading a story on the on the on the on the computer, and you can read lots of pages, and it's not a problem. You realize you have gone through about three hours of research, and it's so easy. But the day you take Deuteronomy chapter six. As you start by from by the verse two and three, you see your eye, this one and this one, they are crossing. Then you like, <laughs> you guys, before you realize that like, oh, you are reading. Take your time, Hallelujah! But let me tell you, it's a misconception. You have to tell yourself, self. Today we are going to go and read. Self, today we are fasting. Whether you like it or not, we are fasting. And we are praying. Listen, let me tell you something. I've been doing this thing for a long time. It doesn't get any easier. It gets harder. It doesn't get, fasting is never, it's never been easy. And will never be easy. Praying has never been easy and will never be easy. Reading the Bible has never been easy and will never ever be easy. 
But you have to tell yourself, self, we are going to pray. Today, no food. We are not eating from today till next week, Saturday. Self, when you see food pass by. Self, don't even think about making noise in my, my stomach because I won't listen to you. As soon as you finish and you start, you hear your stomach going, you go day one. In the night, as you are trying to sleep, your stomach will tell you that, no, 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 you have missed something. <laughs> you have missed something very important. You haven't eaten. Then you force, and then before you realize, morning. First day morning is fine. You go through the morning routine. It's okay. Afternoon is okay. By four, you see some taste will enter into your mouth that normally is not there. You know that kind of sick. When you are sick, how bitter you are. It's normally day two. You have that. Day two and day three. Then by day four, that's when your stomach starts to go. (laughs) But guess what? When you pass day four, you are smooth. Because now you have overcome your flesh. So you see, day five is easy. Immediately the brain tells the self that food is not coming. So you see that all of a sudden your the, the the digestive system just holds. See today we are not the work digestive system's work will stop. The digestive system is what makes your stomach go kuru because it is working. It's like a mixer. You know when you put a mixer, what blender on and there's no food to blend, what happens? It makes a lot of noise. So your digestive system go. What is happening? No food, no food, no food, no. Oh, no, no. So we are not mixing anything. Then once the brain tells you that nothing is coming, you better stop. <laughs> Immediately it goes. Am I helping somebody? In the same way, when you say you are going to study the word of God, your eyes will begin to water. The, the first hour, the second hour, then you see your cross eye will come. You know, then you say, listen, when you persist past hour three, you see now your eyes will just clear. Then you start to assimilate. Now you start to make, and then that, that is when you lose time. By the time you realize you have gone six hours, seven hours, studying and you didn't realize the time but the first hour second hour third hour is the crucial place where your body system is fighting i am bored i'm tired then you see yourself yawning then you see yourself feeling sleepy then you see your eyes watering (laughs) am i am i making sense but you see those who persist 
the, the virgins that persisted, let me have more oil. Let me save my oil. Let me have more oil. Let me keep my light on. Let me not go to sleep. Let me not get tired. Let me not say that I am bored. I'm tired. No, no, no. You persist at the point the groom comes. And the party starts. Nobody gets, takes to look at the track of time when the party starts. Isn't that true? Once the party starts, you lose track of time. You lose track of whether you have eaten or not, because you are in the party. Amen. What misconception number are we on? Are you learning something about misconception? Misconception number five. We are all not the same in our engagement with God. Don't think that everybody can't do because you can't do. Some people cannot fast a whole day. So they say, oh, everybody who says they are fasting, they are lying. <laughs> Have you heard that before? Some people cannot pray an hour by themselves. So they think that nobody in the church can pray an hour by themselves. Some people cannot study the Bible, so they think that everybody cannot study the Bible. They say it's not true. Elijah made that mistake. Elijah thought that he was the only one. And even he, he's struggling. God had to show him how many people were standing for him that he didn't know about. Amen. In everything with God, it's like the five, uh, the virgins. Half of them are wise, half of them are fools. In other words, there's always a remnant. God said to Elijah, there's a remnant whose knees have not touched the ground. Amen. So don't have the misconception that everybody in the church is sinning. Because you cannot... Zip your trousers. You think everybody's trousers is down. It's not true. Hello? Uh, oh, you, you didn't like my... You didn't like what I said. <laughs> Luke chapter 13. Verse 22. And he went through the cities... And the villages teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who will be saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Amen. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and begin to stand. They, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say, I do not know you. Where are you coming from? Or where are you from? Hallelujah. But, but, but he, here's the word. He says that this guy came and said that, is, it, is everybody going to miss out? Are there going to be few people? Are we all going to miss out? Because the way you are talking, it means that it is too hard 
for us to enter. And he said, no, 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 no. It doesn't mean that nobody can enter or only few. He said, you strive to enter. It's not about everybody. It's about you striving for your own. Hallelujah. Love is always too difficult to serve the Lord when you are young. In this day and age, you don't understand. It's not easy to serve God. Too many distractions, too many sins, too many this, too many that, too many. No, no. He said that you strive to enter. Am I making sense? It's not about the many people and what they are doing. It's about you. It's not about them. It's about me. It is all about me. Because his standard is not coming down. So I need to strive to meet the standard. Someone say, I'll strive to meet the standard. Strive to meet the standard. No matter what it takes, pay the price. Pay the price. Don't allow misconceptions to make you think that it's impossible to be intimate with God. On oh, this day and age, everybody, you know, have you heard this? All the pastors, all these things are lies. They are all gimmicks. It's not true. The true servants of God are all lost. Everyone who is, is, is either trying, they are into, or they are trying to make money. All these things is like, they are fake. No. Is there, are there a lot of people who are fake? Yes. But you strive to enter. You strive. Are there churches that are, um, are fake? Yes. But CIC is you strive to enter. You do what you have been called to do. Am I making sense? Yeah. You strive and enter. Don't go with the misconceptions. Don't go with the narrative that says, oh, everybody's like this. Everybody's not like this. Hallelujah. And not everybody's after your money. After all, how much money have you got? Maybe when the pastor shows interest in your life, maybe he's after me. Please, get a life. <laughs> you think we'll come and stand here and do all we are doing because we want you. And you see the person who is saying that. <laughs> you wonder <laughs> whether, <laughs> let me not say anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are, are we understanding that? Yeah. Strive to enter. Strive to enter. Strive. You strive to enter. Serving God intimately is possible. Getting closer. You see, we are talking about, we said this year is a year of us having a divine encounter, isn't it? Going closer to God. And I'm trying to say to you that it is possible. It is possible to live a holy life at your age. You don't have to be old without teeth. Your teeth is in a cup before you can serve God well. Oh, Pastor Glass, stop it. When you cannot work properly, that is when now you say, I'm, I give myself away. I give myself away. There's no teeth. <laughs> Your teeth is in a cup. Now you say, I give myself away. No, 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 no. 
Stand to your feet. Let's